0: So, what you're trying to tell us, Jack, is you bought a Christmas present already? What's wrong with that, Stephen? It's November.
1: You're putting you're putting us to shame here, Jack. You need isn't? to be a man in the, a modern man needs to be organised. Okay. see the way I see it, guys. I'm, I'm I, noting I, that. I start in November. And I finish in December. I straddle two paydays. You know. uh, very
2: sensible, Jack. Very sensible. think economically in this day and age blur. I'm, I'm I'm last minute dot com with these things. Although Debram's is shut done, Dundee, so I can't go in there for a last minute perfume. i oh, Snooker snookered this year, I'm Snooker. i need to get, get organised. I'll take a leaf out of your book, Jack. Yeah, maybe I'll start early on the 19th of December this
0: year. <laughs> <laughs> Count sense Stephen. Let's do it. A one, a two,
1: a one, two, three, four. Welcome to the Black Adders Employment Team podcast, where you have your very own employment lawyer in your pocket. This podcast is aimed at managers and business owners and intends
2: to keep you on the straight and narrow with your staff. The employment team has grown since our last podcast series and to reflect this, this new series is all about the newbies. We'll be looking at the ins and outs of recruiting and integrating new employees into your business, from placing job adverts to issuing contracts, managing probationary periods, and more. Have we had a busy week, gentlemen? Oh, very busy. What about you, Jack? Yeah,
1: it's felt felt busy this week. Um, I've been quite involved with director service agreements and looking at employment contracts, oh, which a... ties in quite nicely with the, the theme of this season of the podcast, Definitely. which is all about the kind of stuff when the employment relationship's in its infancy and getting all the documents in place. Sometimes it can be sometimes quite labour-intensive looking at all these contracts, Definitely. but... Nonetheless, it keeps me on my toes. Keeps us all on a living. Well, before we get onto that in more detail, we should
0: emphasize that this episode is brought to you by thepodcasthost.com, the ultimate how-to podcast resource on the web. They can help you with anything podcast-related, from planning and launching your show, to equipment and editing, to growing an audience and even monetizing your show. Check out their free step-by-step guide on how to start your very own podcast at thepodcasthost.com slash start. That's thepodcasthost.com slash start.
2: Oh, you're better than me there, Stephen. Well done. I I need to emphasize the words a bit better next time. The newbie is learning fast. (laughs) Taking lessons from the the
0: pro over there, (laughs) Jackie. So this week, uh, picking up on what Jack's working week has looked like, we're going to be on to the next stage of the recruitment process, and that is the offer letter and the issuing of the contract. Who would have thought
1: it would have taken us up until episode four to get to this? I know, I can't quite believe that it would, would beat about the bush, but um, an important question, Stephen, have you actually, I mean, you've been here over a month now, have you signed your offer letter? Oof, I can't disclose that I'm in negotiations
0: oh. uh, I'm still trying to get a hot tub as part of my, my signing on fee <laughs> so we'll see. Going style. We will see if, if that, that condition can be met and then we'll put pen to paper
1: good man well while while you continue your negotiations in the background let's discuss a non-specific and generic example what should be in an offer letter guys
2: Well, if you've identified a suitable candidate, you now need to write to them to set out the main terms of employment that they'll be working under should they decide to accept the job. That's where Stephen is at the moment. There is no initial need to issue a contract as that could be time consuming and that can wait until the candidate has confirmed acceptance of the role. Yeah, that's right. So really an offer letter should focus on the key terms under which the employee
0: would work. So things like job title, whether the role is full or part time, whether the role is permanent or fixed term, the work location, all important pay details, and
1: any other significant benefits that they would receive. And an important point to consider, as we did touch upon briefly in Episode 3, is whether the offer is actually conditional on any matter. So, for example, this could be conditional on satisfactory references being received, or the candidate providing the necessary documentation to prove that they've got the right to work in the UK. Or maybe it's a qualification. You know, for example, for a solicitor role, trainee solicitor role, you have to um, attain the diploma in legal practice and that needs to be secured before you can get your stripes and sign a training contract. So any conditions like that, then I think we'd all
2: agree, guys, that the the offer letter would need to uh, narrate those and make that absolutely clear. Absolutely right, Jack. A big issue we're often asked about as well is post-termination restrictions. That's a kind of fancy way of saying things that can limit what you can do once you leave a former employer, the new employer might wish to check that the prospective employee has no restrictive covenants in their previous employment contract that would prevent them from starting work with them or restricting the duties they can perform. And remember that if you perhaps induce someone to breach those covenants, that can also be a liability for you as well. So it's definitely worth asking that question at an initial stage.
0: Yeah, businesses are often keen to see what new employees can bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Although these restrictions are very dependent on the industry in which your business may operate. But again, if you are going to be asking someone to come in and perhaps bring some work, some business with them or be involved in selling or dealing with a particular client base, very useful to make any offer of employment conditional on the employer satisfying itself
2: on the restrictions or lack of restrictions that the new employee may be subject to. Exactly. So you consider things that the employee might need to have before they can start. And once that offer is made, it's then for the candidate to confirm acceptance. Best practice is, is to impose a time limit for acceptance so that your business knows if the successful candidate is coming on board and when so you can plan accordingly. Yep. So Jack, when you, you received your offer from Black
0: Adders, how, how long did it take you to come back and say you were, you were accepting it? Well,
1: you know me, Stephen, you know, um, I like to try and eke these things out and play the big shot. Nowadays, I certainly do. But back in the day, I was a fairly uh, meek and shy individual. um, And I'm not embarrassed to admit that I didn't even play any funny games or any hardball. I suppose the the phrase would be, bite the hand off was the immediate reaction (laughs) that, uh, that I received or rather that I gave. It's so a matter to, of seconds. Yes, exactly. Seconds. I remember it well, actually, because we were kind of in limbo at the juncture of it was at the juncture of the 2008 recession, mm. and a lot of um, a lot of law firms naturally were were un- going through redundancies, and, and many I think many of my peers at university, the traineeship was often in limbo. Um, so yeah, it was very much a relief, and there was a, a very hasty acceptance. And you've never looked back. Never looked back. Never looked back.
0: And I, how, much, how much have you been paid by the firm to say that on this podcast? <laughs> I have
1: not been paid a penny, Stephen, I can promise you that. Over and above my salary, there's no incentive payment being made. Good, good.
0: So um, on that note then, and it's all worked out well for you, Jack, but what would happen where the employer wished to withdraw
1: an offer of employment once it's been made? So, very good question, and one that we do occasionally have to advise on in practice. If an offer is withdrawn due to a specific condition not being fulfilled, for example, the reference comes back and it's terrible, then there shouldn't be an issue there because it was conditional. Equally, if the offer is withdrawn before the candidate has accepted the offer, then there should be no legal issue there. But the candidate might try and challenge this. However, if the employer wants to withdraw the offer after all of the conditions have been met and the newbie has accepted, that can be a bit more difficult i think Stephen, would you agree with that yeah yeah definitely i
0: mean again what what we need to be thinking about from the legal perspective is do we have a binding agreement in place is there a contract and unfortunately a lot of the time employers don't realize that whilst they should have a written agreement contracts can be formed through verbal exchanges verbal offer and acceptance so if you're trying to withdraw an offer after it's been accepted then that might lead to a hefty bill, I think, as we spoke about in the previous episode. You mean I have to pay notice to the person to lawfully terminate the relationship, and uh, that, that can involve having to dig into the business's funds yeah six months I think you said your previous client was stung for Stephen yeah and and it was it was a decent level decent paid job so I Mm. think the
1: total the bill for getting no hours of work out of someone was about 28 grand oh mamma mia that's worse than that five grand cleaning example we had in the previous episode yes yeah (laughs) you could do a lot with 28 grand couldn't you absolutely Absolutely. We, I once had a case um, a few years ago for a client, an employer client, which was, I would say it was an organization that had quite a diverse group of staff from different backgrounds of different religious and racial backgrounds. And they give a job offer to a candidate and the, the offer was accepted. And then there was some Facebook activity from this candidate came onto the radar of the employer, mm. and it was all some fairly, fairly extreme kind of political ISIS type chat that was shared on this person's deep Facebook. Deep. And Most of the comments, I think, they were from her partner, but she was liking them and not retweeting is not the word sharing, sharing I think on Facebook, um, and this was cited by the by our client, and they decided that they didn't want to proceed with the employment. Lesson there. Be very careful with your Facebook activities. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Need to get some social media training, Jack. Do you know anyone that can provide us with that? Service? Well, as
1: you mentioned that, Blair, our good friend Simon Allison is very expert in that field. <laughs> what happens next, Jack? We've got an offer that's been made, it's been accepted. Where do we go to next? Well, another very important legal step, once the offer's been accepted and the parties are both happy to proceed, then the employer's got to issue what's called a Section 1 Statement of Employment Particulars. Basically just an employment contract, a written summary, and that needs to be issued to the employee
2: before employment commences. Yeah, so as Jack said, a Section 1 Statement of Employment Particulars is slightly different from an employment contract, but it contains a lot of the same information. In our view, employers would be better served issuing formal contracts, as this will provide with more protection to their business, greater flexibility in managing the employment relationship while still meeting the requirements of Section 1. As Jack says, you should be giving the Section 1 statement when the person starts, there are some exceptions within that as to when you can provide certain pieces of information. One of that is that um, you don't have to give details of certain things in the contract itself. You could refer the person to a policy that you've got, for example, say on grievance or disciplinary. Yeah. It's somewhere accessible, like on your company internet, for example. And that might make it easier if you want to update that policy. Rather than having it stated in the contract, you could have it there. It makes it easier for you to change it, whereas it might be more complicated if it's actually written out in full in the contract itself.
0: Right, Jack, on the spot, what do you say? Do we need to get contracts signed? We've all been in meetings where someone's come in and said, I never signed anything. I never signed anything.
1: So do we think that's important? It's one of those ones, Stephen, I would say yes and no. The law only requires the employer to issue the contract. So once you issue it, you've done your bit. But in my mind, there's nothing better than getting a signature on the paper. You know, although many matters won't be affected whether the employee signs the contract or not, there are some important issues that do actually require a signature. For example, if the employee hasn't signed the contract, then it may be difficult for the employer to enforce some of the terms around confidentiality, these restrictive covenants, the post-termination things we spoke about with Blair, uh, when the employee leaves, you know, if the contract's not signed, then there's always gonna be an argument of, well, I never signed that, I never even seen that, I didn't agree that. So in my view, if pressed on the matter, I would say get some ink on the paper.
2: Well, it sounds like someone that should be looked into more detail in our podcast series. Oh, that's what we're doing right now. (laughs) Oh, what's our takeaway tips then, Stephen?
0: Okay, takeaway tips, I think, for this one. Number one, make sure your offer letter is accurate in regards to the key terms under which the candidate will be working if the offer is accepted. Whilst normally, as we've touched upon, a contract would subsequently be issued, the offer letter can be relied upon by the employee in the event of a dispute over their entitlements. Takeaway tip number two, if the offer of employment needs certain conditions to be met, make sure these are set out in the offer letter. And takeaway tip number three, once the offer is accepted, ensure that your newbie is issued with their formal contract or their section one statement
1: before they start employment to meet your legal obligations. Good tips as always, Stephen. Now I'm going to close this episode with an observation about my own performance on Twitter. Recently, I feel as though I've taken my foot off the gas a little bit in regards to my Twitter activity. So it's on my list of actions to to pick pick up the pace again with Twitter. So our invitation to you this week is if you've enjoyed the episode or if you have any feedback for us, please engage with us on Twitter. Let us know what you think. My Twitter handle is employerjack. Blair, are you Employer Blair? I'm Employer Blair, that's absolutely right. Stephen? I sadly have a name
0: that's too long to be Employer Stephen, (laughs) so I'm Emplaw Stephen. So E-M-P-L-A-W-S-T-E-P-H-E-N. And I think, Jack, if you're asking people to follow you, I think you've got to commit for a, a top tip every day in the next week.
1: I will commit to a top tip every day there we go I can't guarantee it will be an employment law related tip but there will be a tip well that just adds an ear of
0: mystery and certainly I'm going to start following you more closely than I have been as well cheers
1: guys catch up on the next episode see you soon thanks everybody goodbye cheerio